Our scripture reading for our worship today is from 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning with verse 16. Verse 18, excuse me. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Thus far our reading from the word of God. God's grace, mercy, and peace be with all of us today as we celebrate the fact that God has moved us from corruption to being cleansed and as we live in the in-between. Well, the story is told of a family of five who were moving out west for a better life, and they had packed up all their belongings into their Conestoga wagon, and all was going smooth until they got out somewhere in the middle of Nebraska, and mom started to get sick. It started with a cough, then it turned into a terrible fever, and then violent shaking and body aches, and the dad knew that this was serious. He had to get his wife to a doctor. But the next town with a doctor was a hundred miles away. He tied everything down. He, he pushed his team as fast as they could go. And uh, when they were about halfway there, he started to get sick. He too started coughing and then got the fever and then the, the body chills and aches. And then soon after, it was all three of the kids. The dad mustered up as much strength as he could to get to the town. And as he entered into town, he... he got to the first house, and he uh, made his way to the door. He knocked, and he says, please get the doctor as fast as you can. Soon the doctor got there, and as he looked at them, he lowered his head, and he says, you know, he pointed out to the cemetery. He says, half the town's already dead from the same disease that you have. And then he looked up at him, and he smiled. But you know what? We've got a cure. Roll up your sleeves. Let's give you this vaccine as soon as we can. Well, friends, by nature, we are all sick, aren't we? We are all corrupted. The Bible says we're born that way, and we live that way. It's called sin. And while we wait patiently for a vaccine and hopefully a cure for the coronavirus, we praise God that he's already taken care of our greatest need. Our text reminds us of the cure for the corruption of sin that we all experience. In 1 Peter 3, 18, for Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. You see, through the death of Jesus, God's Son, true man, true God, who took our sins upon himself on the cross, who then rose again from the third day because of what he has done for us, we have the cure, don't we? The corruption of sin is no more as we have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, his son. 
And that cure and cleansing that we celebrate today in our worship takes place as a result purely of what God has done for us, his undeserved love. It's not about anything we can do. And that hit home for me very personally one day when one of our older disciples who was in his 90s at that time came out of church and he shook my hand and he says, Pastor, I just want you to know I thank God for this church. And, you know, I've been in worship all my I can't even remember a time when I didn't go to church. And I love to sing. And he just going on and on. And there was a line up at the door. And I says, oh, thank you so much. Uh, I thank God for you. And that's when he grabbed both of my hands. And he says, but I want to tell you something even better. And he looked me in the eye and he says, I want you to know that Jesus loves me. And he's been with me every day of my life. Isn't that something that we all need to be reminded of? Isn't that something that that we need as we face the corruption of sin in our world and, and in us to know that by God's grace, through the work of his son Jesus, that we are forgiven? And reminding us about our cleansing people, uh, Peter uses the example of Noah. In verses 20 and 21, he says, In the days of Noah, while the ark was being built, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism, which now saves you. Both Noah and his family were saved from death as they floated on the water in the boat that God instructed him to build, the ark. And as our passage reminds us, this then becomes a foreshadowing of God's grace for us. We are continuing to be reminded that we are saved by the waters of our baptism. When God saw you as a sinful person and then took you and washed away your sins. In his great uh, Pentecost sermon, the author of, of our text today, Peter, He's preaching in Acts chapter 2, and, and as the people were convicted of their sins, he says, what must we do? He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. When the apostle Paul came to faith, when Jesus came and, and knocked him down to the ground and blinded him, he was told by his friend Ananias, be baptized and have your sins washed away. You see, our cleansing by the grace of God begins at our baptism. But it doesn't stop there. It continues throughout our lives. Every day, the filth and the grime of sin is something that we touch. And every day, Jesus is there to wash away our sins. As we admit them, as we confess them, as we repent of them like we did earlier in our worship. And then we turn to him for cleansing and grace. A boy came running into the house after playing outside. His mother saw that one of his hands was filled with mud. And she she looked at him, and uh, the mother asked him if he was planning on getting that mud off of his hand. He thought for a moment, and he says, Sure, Mom, I'll just wipe it on the other hand. (laughs) So then he had two dirty hands. How do you get rid of the filth, the grime, the mud of sin in your life? Scripture reminds us that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and he will forgive our sins, and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Time and time again, the Bible reminds us what a joy it is to be cleansed in our sins, but we are not only cleansed from, but we are cleansed to. We are cleansed for a purpose. 
with a corruption of sin forgiven by the grace of God in the in-between, in the time, in between the time when God makes us his own in our baptism to the time when he calls us to be home with him forever in heaven, we have been freed now to live the cleansed life. First Peter puts it this way. He says, after being saved by the waters of baptism, we now have a pledge of a good conscience toward God. We have a pledge, sometimes that word is translated response, We have a response or a a pledge because of what God has done for us to practice a good conscience before God. Now, now what does that mean? Often when we think of conscience, we, we refer to that which controls or leads our decisions, our actions. Sometimes we refer to our conscience as that inner voice that directs all of our ways. You see, as we live in the in-between of the corruption of sin and the cleansing that we experience in, in Jesus, the complete cleansing, our redeemed and cleansed conscience is formed and led by God's grace so that we obey Him, we listen to Him, and then we also care for others. That inner voice for our conscience, for us believers in Jesus, that inner voice is the voice of Jesus that comes from his word. In fact, in the Good Shepherd chapter of the New Testament, in John chapter 10, remember when Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. Another way to put this is to say that where your mind is, where your thinking is, that's where your attitudes are going to be. That's where your words are going to come from. That's where your actions will flow from. In this world we live in, we always need to be reflecting on what is molding our minds? What is causing us to think this way or that way? And as we spend all this time at home, we need to ask God to help us in our minds, to help us to shape our minds, to form our minds, so that we have a positive realization of his love and his mercy, a positive way to think and do and act. But what happens? If, if all you're doing is watching the latest news about the coronavirus, what is it? I can tell you what that does to my thinking. It pulls me down. Or if you're getting hooked on Netflix series one after another, what do you think that's going to do to your thinking? What's that going to do to the way that you may treat those who are around you? There's a sign above an old historic clock that oftentimes doesn't work properly. It says, don't blame my hands, the trouble lies deeper. (laughs) Well, God in his mercy wants to go deep within you and me with his cleansing grace to remove us from this negative, stinking thinking kind of attitude to what scripture says. The Apostle Paul writes, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, under the Holy Spirit, Paul says, think about these things. You see, our response or pledge to the cleansing work that God has done for us through Jesus to take away our sins now works in us to mold in us a conscience that is before God, to listen to him and obey him and follow him. 
Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. Don't be squeezed into its mold, in other words. But instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, God renews your mind by his grace. To the extent that you know how much God loves you and forgives you, to the extent that you listen now to his voice, is the extent now to which your decisions and your actions will follow beginning in your baptism, God came into you to form your conscience so that you can follow him and listen to him. And so how does that happen? How does God work in your conscience, especially during these days? I think one of the keys is to begin your day not with the latest COVID news, but with the news of God's love for you. Spend some time with your good shepherd who assures you that he's going to lead you in his paths of righteousness, who, who comforts you to know that you belong to him and that, that your sins are cleansed and that your life can now have meaning and joy and direction. Talk to your Lord in prayer. Thank him for washing away all your sins. And then ask him to give you a more positive mind and conscience that reflects his grace and moves you then not only to trust in him, but also then to, to, to think about the people around you and be sensitive to them. In the end, all this takes place not by your own efforts. We're reminded in our text that even our pledge or our response of our conscience and thinking are lifted up and raised through the power of God. In verse 22, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels and authorities and power in submission to him. Well, friends, today we are so thankful that as we live in the in-between, that God has cured our greatest illness. That he has seen the trouble that we have as a result of our sins and the separation that it caused from him. How thankful we are that he sent his son Jesus to take away our sins through his death and resurrection, that he is the cleansing cure for the corruption for sin in our lives. And now may we respond by living that cleansed life, that our minds, our consciences would be transformed by the resurrection of power and power of Jesus to think and to live for him. In his name, amen.